Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hello, everybody. Episode three of my discussion with Bob Ruff. Yeah, it's horrible. You know, working in wrongful convictions, people ask me all the time, you know, if, you know, if cops hate me and if, and if you know, because I'm always tearing apart the, the cases that they build. But it's something that the exact opposite is true. We have tons of people in our audience and that contributors to our work that are that are law enforcement officers and former law and former, former law enforcement officers. And, you know, they'll all say the same thing. Nobody hates a bad cop worse than a good cop. Like, it, you know, we're, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not out here exposing and calling out good police work, which I think is is most of it. It's it's the guys that that cross the line. It's the bad apples uh, that are that are destroying lives that we're calling out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And frankly, you you can't you can't excuse away somebody that's leading uh, a witness. And, you know, if you if if a lawyer tries to lead a witness like that in a court of law, um, if the judge doesn't stop it, then the other lawyer usually does. And they're just like, you can't do that. And it's just absolutely right. not allowed. And yeah. And, and, and by the way, Jesse Miss Kelly was not, did not testify. He was tried separately. They, they tried Jesse Miss Kelly. He was convicted. They tried him separately. I, I, in my opinion, intentionally, because they thought if they get him convicted and sentenced to life, then they can use that as leverage and offer him a reduced sentence to testify against the other two and he wouldn't do it he he, he said i won't lie on the, on the stand i'm not going to do it so he wouldn't testify against him the his confession wasn't so, so then his confession wasn't allowed to be used and they really there's video footage on paradise loss of fogelman the the prosecutor saying and i don't know if we're gonna we've got that was our case and we don't have it uh but then later part of what the investigative team with the west of memphis um documentary found out was when they pulled the jury notes and talked to the jury is a big reason they were convicted was because someone had fed them that information it's in the jury notes and the pros and cons that jesse miss kelly confessed and, and implicated them even though they never heard that at trial mm, wow wonder if they just heard it in the news or something like i mean especially a case that's this 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 high profile you know surely mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how tightly sequestered the jury is they've they've heard it so right yeah oh just you know you hear about cases like this and it's just just churns your stomach you know it's like ah we have a fantastic justice system and the chances of somebody being wrongfully convicted are pretty low but man when it happens especially something like this it's just it is just brutal. So well, the sad part is it happens more, a lot more often than people realize. So you get into, I mean, they're like the, the Texas Department of Corrections acknowledges that, that probably 10% of the inmates in their prison are innocent. 10%. That may not sound like a big number, but that's 15,000 people hmm. in the state of Texas that the, that the TDCJ says are probably innocent. Um, you know, and we, we have a system that is, it's turned into an assembly line. Very few cases go to trial. You know, most of them are pled out. They put people in a position all the time where, you know, they even even innocent people say an innocent person would never plead guilty. Well, that's not true. They they, they can they can build enough of a case against you and say, look, we're going to take you to trial, and we're going to go after a life sentence, 
and you're like, but I'm innocent. And, and your lawyer tells you, well, I mean, you might be innocent, but if they convince a jury, you're going to prison for life, but they're offering you just, just 10 years. If you take a deal, it happens every, every day. Oh. Well, again, I, I have um, a, a friend that used to live in, in my neighborhood that um, was wrongfully accused by a minor of sexually assaulting him. And first of all, he, he worked in the psychology arena. And so he was immediately fired. And I, I, I overheard during the trial, I overheard some um, attorneys talking and they were like, you know what, it doesn't matter if they didn't have any evidence. The fact that a junior or a juvenile accused him of sexual assault, a female accusing a male of sexual assault, there's no way that's not going to go to trial. And he was looking at 30 years and, you know, the, the evidence, um, was just so blatantly missing. For example, if two people are rolling around in a, in a, you know, I mean, especially from my perspective in, in the MVAC system, um, you know, one of the scenarios was they were rolling around for three or four hours in a sleeping bag. And I'm like, Hmm. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even need the MVAC to get DNA from that sleeping bag. Right. And yet none of her DNA was on that sleeping bag and they didn't even use the MVAC. And, and I'm, but I'm just like, well, that's because it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it's physically impossible that some, some level of physical evidence isn't going to be there during, in these kind of scenarios. And I'm like, well, why is this even coming to trial? And again, we revert back to, they're like, well, in today's, society it, it just demanded it there it's like the the prosecuting attorney he's an elected guy and if he had if he had said you know what there's no evidence we're not taking this to trial he would have been crucified and mm-hmm. so instead they absolutely destroy this guy's life and um it it it, it drug on for three years so this guy is out of work you know, he's almost lost his entire, uh, you know, house and everything had to rebuild his career and all over just basically nothing. And, uh, to me, that's, that's yes. Uh, our, our, uh, our justice system is, it, it is effective, but in, in the, the whole plea deal, you know, hang in this, uh, life, you know, life without parole kind of, you know, or whatever the, the sentence is, you know, that these prosecuting attorneys try to do to get plea deals, I think is just absolutely corrupt. Yeah, it's a rough system. And, and for God's sakes, don't be poor. Because the, oh, the, right. the, 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 you know, I mean, minorities, people of color, and, 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 and a real, a huge factor is money. I mean, if you, if you get sent into that system and you don't have the money for private attorneys and, and investigators, you're just screwed. You're just, you're just, you're just screwed in the system. You might as well just yeah. count on going in and taking a plea when you have a public defender who are great, you know, they're, they're amazing and they do, they do God's work in my opinion, but their caseload's insane. You know, these, you know, these, these public defenders will have 150, 200 cases dumped in their laps. And then you expect them to put the attention that needs to be put into yours. They're just not going to. They're going to read the file right beforehand, talk to the prosecutor and say, I can get you two years. Let's move on. Yeah. Which, yeah, 
again, the, yeah. <laughs> what you just said, there are so many things wrong with what you just said that it's, really? uh, you know, I mean, this isn't Bob Ruff. This is, you know, the reflection on the system. It's like, that is screwed up, you know? And again, reverting back to this, this scenario of this wrongfully accused friend of mine, um fortunately he had a house that he could mortgage and and family that could chip in some and was able to survive through this and and get a decent lawyer because otherwise you know he was looking at yeah 20 to 30 years over something was he was he acquitted the yeah. trial oh yeah oh yeah jeez yeah. i i i it, sat it, through i sat through the the entire prosecution of it mm-hmm. and i'm like these prosecutors and, and they were junior prosecutors. So obviously the DA had like assigned these guys, this case. And mm-hmm. I imagine these prosecutors are looking at this going, this is just stupid. There is no way we are going to get a, a conviction here. And so, you know, but they had to go through the whole process. And to me, it's like when, when you go, when you go through that and you think about how many times that happens throughout the the judicial system how many cases like that are sitting there these guys put in three years worth of investigative work you know how many how many resources were applied to this case when there was no case to begin with and i don't know to me it's just like what you know because of political pressure and this da didn't want to face a um uh an election knowing you know with the people knowing that he had dismissed a case where a juvenile had accused um a, a grown man of sexual assault and he hadn't taken it to trial all because of that you know they go through three years of hell three years of i don't know hundreds of thousands of dollars minimum and it was all for nothing because they had no evidence they had nothing and and this girl this girl is 16 and she's a known liar. You know, the whole reason she was even remotely uh, in the vicinity of this friend of mine is because her parents uh, couldn't control her. I mean, she was just a, a, a pathological liar and he was trying to help her. And then she ends up accusing him of sexual assault and just turns everything upside down. And I just, I, I don't know how often scenarios like that or that extreme, but it's probably a lot, like you said, it's probably a lot more than what people think. Well, the, re- the reality is that I don't know your friend or the, or the case, so I can't speak to that, but I can tell you that if your friend didn't have enough money or resources to get an attorney, he would have got sentenced to five years in prison and a plea deal two years before that and would have probably got out in two and a half years. And, you know, if, if it was a true case, the victims would be pissed because he only got two and a half years. And if it's a and if he was truly innocent, then it's horrible that he spent two and a half years in prison. They, but it, that's how that's how it works. If you don't have money, they they would do, they would go to him and say, "We're gonna we're gonna get you for thirty years." Your public defender, who is really part of it, you know, is gonna come to you and say, "Look, I can get you cut down to five. You're out in two, or you can risk thirty. And that's just they just shovel them through. They probably would just rip off ten of those in a in a day. They just get the plea deals done and go. Oh, so yeah. he's, you know, so if your friend's innocent, he's lucky that he actually had an attorney and was able to uh, fight it for that long because a lot of people can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I sat down with him. Well, not sat down with him, but, I, you know, I, I was reviewing it and I said, look, I don't I don't know a lot of the details, but I can tell you 
from a DNA perspective, which I do have some expertise in from a DNA perspective, if they can't find her DNA in all of these scenarios that she's accusing you of, then there is no way they can, they can prove you, you know, unless they have something that, that, uh, they're not telling you, which they can't really do, but from a DNA perspective solely, I was, I was looking at it and I was looking at all the evidence and all the scenarios and I was like, holy crap, no way. Yeah. And, and again, just from a DNA perspective and, and knowing the capabilities of the MVAC system, uh, most people don't understand how much DNA they're depositing in wherever they are. And, you know, again, you're, you're looking at, well, you know, I rolled around with this guy on a sleeping bag for four hours. I'm like, mm, yeah, your DNA is going to be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they couldn't yeah, find I had, it. Uh, when I was uh, at Pure Gold Forensics for the show, which is an MVAC lab, uh, when we filmed it for the TV show, uh, Susanna Ryan, the, the analyst there, had me just hold on to a rock for a few seconds and then send it back and then scan it and then set me back <laughs> a couple to, uh, a week or so later that because then she took a a, a buckle sample too mm -hmm. and said yep she've got my dna off that rock from just holding it for a few seconds mm -hmm. you know that that little bit it was it's, it's it's amazing what that what that system you guys have created can do oh absolutely yeah and it's uh uh technology nowadays uh, i don't know how much of anybody gets away with crime because uh the technology and, and this is everything from ballistics to fingerprinting to dna it's just yeah, you, you do not have much of a chance to, uh, to get away with a crime if the resources are applied to it. So, right. Well, Hey, let's finish up with, uh, West Memphis three. So where, where are we with the case right now? Well, as I mentioned, when we did the docuseries that came out in, um, the end of March of 2020, um, the, what I found was interestingly enough is, is kind of where our world collide is, as I said, you know, we found that, through our audience and the connections out there, oftentimes we can find new information about a case and solve a case just, be, just because of the outreach. And so that's kind of what we took a, took a stab at with the both the podcast and the TV series. What we found through that is this case has been talked about too much by too many people for too long. And, and so many memories have been warped. And, and we, we determined through that process that there's one thing that's going to solve this case and one thing only, and that's going to be science and forensics. There's not going to be a new witness that's going because at this point, if a new witness came forward and said, I saw him do it, no one would believe them or half the people wouldn't, half the people wouldn't. There's too many conflicting stories out there. Uh, and so that's how we ended up, you know, connecting with, with you and the MVAC technology. So the, the series ended with my call to action to the listeners because throughout the process, throughout the process of filming, we were constantly trying to contact Scott Ellington, the district attorney, the prosecuting attorney, requesting that he allows us to use MVAC to test the evidence specifically the ligatures which were shoelaces that tied all the boys up you know the problem all this evidence was underwater um but you know Susanna ryan empirical forensics told us you know, you know number one when you tie a knot you tend to shed skin cells and number two if there's anything that hopefully got protected and didn't get washed away with the water it could be those knots because it would be tied up and protected inside there so we want to test use them back to test those knots um and he ghosted us throughout the entire productions, wouldn't answer. So my call to action at the end was for the audience to put the pressure onto Scott Ellington, call him, email, write him, go to his office, you know, blast their social media, 
everywhere you can to get him to test the evidence. And within a week, it was, I mean, he was shutting down social media pages because there, there were, there were millions of people were just, were just beating this guy up, uh, uh, so to speak, um, verbally and through the computer. At that point, Damien's attorney, I talked to him. I said, I think now's the time. Try it. Once you guys reach out to him. So the Damien's attorney reaches out to him and says, you know, we just, all we're asking is to test the evidence. He agrees to it. We spend six months going back and forth with what do you want to test? Where are we sending it? What's the FedEx account number for the lab? Ready to go. And then he gets appointed to be a judge, which was going to start in January. So come November, he just goes to this. Right to the point where the next, the next email was, it's in the mail on the way to the lab, and he just disappears. Figuring, well, I can just wait this out a few months, and then I'll go to my new judgeship, and it's not my problem anymore. He does that. New guy takes over. Keith Cressman takes over as the prosecuting attorney. Lawyers reach out to him. What can we do? And he says, and this is last year, 20, about a year ago, winter of 2021, uh, you know, he says, hey, man, I'm a truth and justice kind of guy. I just want the truth to be out there. I have no problem testing the evidence. Uh, let's get together on this. Next thing we know, he goes out to the press and does a press release and says the evidence is lost. Or, you know, oftentimes in cases like this, the evidence is lost or destroyed. We don't know where it is. Stops answering the legal team. So the legal team then files a FOIA request saying, we want a list of the evidence and where it's at. Arkansas law says they have three days to respond, or maybe it was 10, whatever it was, they didn't respond. Uh, then the police chief comes out to the press and says all the evidence of the West Memphis three case was destroyed in a fire 15 years ago. So it's gone. Then the mayor comes out, says the same thing. 15 years ago in a fire, all the evidence was destroyed. Uh, more so those, guys, those guys are just parroting that, right? I mean, they didn't really know. Yeah, they, that, yeah they, they said basically go away. There is no evidence. It was destroyed in a fire all these years ago. Uh, and the police chief would did know because it was the, the police that's where the evidence is stored is at the police department. So they file requests with them, tell us when the evidence, where the evidence is, or if it was destroyed, when was it destroyed under whose orders? Um, again, they break Arkansas law by not responding to the request. Uh, Damien then sues the city of West Memphis and the prosecuting attorney for not responding to the requests to a higher court. Meanwhile, Mara Leverett, who wrote the book, The Devil's Not, uh, she filed a request with the fire department uh, wanting to know what fires had been at the police department over the years. Turns out I, li I listened to that podcast of yours uh, yeah, with there with was one that interview with her and uh, yeah, she's tiny brilliant. Fire. She's brilliant. Yeah, she is. It was a, it was a, a tiny fire in a storage shed one time years ago. It was put out with a fire extinguisher. Nothing about any evidence being destroyed. Finally, the upper, the higher court orders the city of West Memphis to respond to the requests. They finally do. And they give them the evidence log and there's all the evidence and then finally, uh, in December this year, or this past December, a couple months ago, um, the, uh, the city attorney for West Memphis invited Damien's attorneys into the evidence room at the West Memphis Police Department. Lo and behold, there is every piece of evidence, as he put it, neatly organized and cataloged in the evidence room where it's been the whole time. They were straight up lying about it being gone all that time. Um, physically saw the ligatures, which is what we want to test. We saw that we, we confirmed that they are there. They are still tied. They're intact. They're preserved. Um, so then it's back to the DA or the, the, the prosecuting attorney. Okay. Now the evidence is here. Once you file the, you know, do this joint motion to test the evidence since you said you would. And he says, no, you have to file it with the court. 
Um, so and where we stand right now is Damien's defense has filed a motion with the court to do to use the MBAC extraction method to do DNA testing on the ligatures um, in evidence. And, uh, and Cressman now has probably about 10, 15 days left to respond. We don't know if he's going to respond and, and try to fight it or if he's going to you know, respond and say, fine, I agree, and let's go ahead and test it. So that's where we stand right now. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.